Hey friends, I appreciate you tuning into the Deal Farm podcast where I hope you feel at least mildly entertained and possibly even inspired to take big action towards improving your life and your business. On this episode of the Deal Farm, Kevin and I talk with Drew Brenneman about his meteoric career in multifamily and how he's been able to grow such an amazing portfolio in his 20s and 30s. Hope you stick around because this is truly an amazing story. And how's it going this week? Man, it could not be better. Do you, do you feel the fall outside? There's just, just like a touch. There's really? just a touch of fall yeah. outside. Not in Georgia. No, man, not it's full-blown It's full blown August. It is like just, yeah, sweltering 90s, 100% humidity. Oh. It's the throes of summer still. Well, up here in Virginia, we had some storms come through, and on the backside of it, it was just perfect. There's beautiful 70 degrees, just a little bit of cool air. And some the other day we were out, and somebody had a fire. Some they were grilling, smoking. There was just a little bit of whiff of smoke. It was seventies. So I was like, I am so ready for football on Saturdays in the fall. Yeah, I love footballs Saturdays in the fall, no doubt about it. Like that is one of my best favorite times of year. But I also love the summer, and I hate when the summer is coming to the close. That's always depressing to me. It's like, man, that summer went by too fast. I didn't feel like I fully embraced the summer, and all of a sudden it's gone. You know, we're sort of at that time of year now where some people are back in school, some people are getting ready to go back to school, some people are heading, you know, you sort of, you, you see, you know, on social media, all the people that are back and those people are getting that last vacation. We're sort of in that transition. Did you feel yeah. like you got a summer? Like, are you ready for it to be? And it sounds like you wanted to. I want weeks. my, I always want my summer to be longer and I always want to like live somewhere where it's summer year round. Uh, it's always good depressed when it's, especially as it starts getting cold. I just start getting depressed. I hate the cold. Well, you're in Georgia, man. It's not going to get cold anytime soon. You got a lot of time. We got a while. Yeah. I just know it's coming. Yeah. But it was a summer. There was some travel, right? Oh, yeah. There, there was fun. Yeah. There was some swim. Well, and, the, and you're right, because our, our, we are smack in the middle of that weird transition where some of the local schools have started. Our kids haven't started yet this week. So it's all the friends are in school. They're not. But sports have started. So already this week, it's like every night yep. this week, I feel like we got sporting events. So we're we're full blown, I feel like, now into fall activities, though. Yeah, what hit me yesterday is I was out driving and I went through a school zone at speed and realized, oh, wait, 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 school's. I looked over, the parking lot was packed out. I was like, I got to slow down. I'm going to get yeah. pinged with a ticket. Well, not to mention all the traffic. Everybody's back on the roads again. The churches yeah. are filled again. It's amazing how from one week to the next church is like half empty. And then the next week, school starts and it's <laughs> packed out again. Everybody's back to church. Everybody's back to school. Well, yeah. I'm ready for the fall. I'm actually right now in the market uh, for a, a new smoker. I I love having a smoker yeah. on a weekend. The yeah. smell, it's nice and cool, and so totally. I think I'm switching over. I've had this electric smoker, and, and I'm going to go to a true wood smoker. I think it's time. Like a, are you thinking like a ceramic, like a green egg, or what are you thinking? Uh, I know you're a green egg guy. I think yeah, I'm I just going to get one of those bullets, one of those like a Weber bullet smoker, yep. Yep. you know, and actually go to the chunk wood. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I've got one of those. I've got the green egg, and I've actually got one of those char girl smokers with like the the side firebox. I've got them yeah. all, and you're, I've you're, used them over the years. I still yeah, I go all, back to the egg. Are they all out on the deck by the lake? I mean, where do you keep them? <laughs> all but one. One's in the warehouse. One, they're all over the place. I got grills just like stashed here and there. I, it's ridiculous. But your go-to is the green egg. Like uh, that's yeah. really what you right? Yeah, the go-to is the green egg. I will say this though: there's sometimes you know, Dad next door has a Traeger, which is like set it and forget yeah. it with the pellets. Right. 
there are times where I'm like, that would be nice because I don't really want to babysit this thing. I want the smell in the air. I want the smoke. But I, sometimes I don't have all day to just sit there and babysit it either. Yeah, I've had I've had uh, electric smokers. The last two that I've owned have been. It's just I felt like it's time to graduate. It's time to graduate and just go to the wood. It will be a pain. It'll be some babysitting. But I, I don't know. I want that smell all day long. You, it's, you get a better smell with the chunk wood, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Well, that's a green egg. You got the the, the lump charcoal. It, absolutely. Get, and then you get a, you throw in some hickory or whatever, and you get the extra. And it really does change the flavor. Even it with does. the lump charcoal, it's nice. It gives you a smoky flavor, but you got to throw in something specific, like some apple or some hickory or some mesquite or something to yeah. further flavor it. Yeah. Now, and I did a bunch of smoking over the summer, you know, a, a bunch. It's not like I did it every week, but, and it's fun during the summer, but there's just something about the fall, the cool weather, football on the, on the TV and that smoker going outside. That's just, that's the best time of year. I love that. Hey, speaking of smoking, I bought you something. I forgot to give it to you when we were uh, in California. Oh, did you bring it all the way to California? No, I just forgot to bring it. Um, <laughs> you know, Timu, of course, everything we're, we're buying right now, it's just testing out all the crazy cool stuff that you can get from I Timu. I came back from California, I had packages and packages. From, it's like, <laughs> it was a Chinese Christmas. It really, it's ridiculous. It's like better than Amazon. Now you come home and you got packages, but you only paid like $3 for all of it, which is <laughs> amazing. amazing. But on Timo, I bought you um, like a smoker for your bourbon, which I've never done. I mean, I've seen it, but I've never done it. Uh, you know, where you... I guess you infuse smoke into your drink. Have you done yeah, this before? I, I have not done it before. I have had it before okay. uh, in, in multiple places. And I've seen it done different ways. So I'm kind of curious to see what this one is. I, I've seen folks where they actually have like a, a board, a hickory board or you know whatever type of wood, and they torch it. Like they they actually torch, they, they use a blowtorch on it, right? Right. Get it burning, smoking, and then they put the glass upside down on it. Okay. But more recently, we went to this new restaurant and it was really phenomenal. And they had where they burnt this wood thing. And then they, they had already made an old fashioned, made the drink. And then they put the, the burning wood on top of the drink. And somehow that worked as well. So what is this one like? This one is uh, it is a board that you put on top, but in the middle of it's like a little strainer, like a little filter where you put your wood chips and then you blow torch right through the middle of it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I've seen that. I have seen that. And it works. Have you used it yet? No, I have. Well, what I, I don't have a blowtorch, so I had to order the blowtorch. <laughs> so now, and that should get here in the next day or two. So I'll, uh, I'll take I'm a video to... of it working and let you know if it's, if it's any good or not. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming smoke infused bourbon is an enhanced form of bourbon. It Lucky. is. It Otherwise, is. It's just really cool. Yeah. And uh, you, I think you got to watch it. You don't want to do too much. Yeah. Uh, but this restaurant, that's exactly what they did, right? They had the little thing on the top and they had the chips and they did the blow tart right into it. And she was looking at her watch, I, I, you know, like it was 20 or 30 seconds. But you do taste it. Like you really do. It's really good. Really, yeah, I'm, really I'm good. very curious. Yeah. Hopefully by the Smoky end of this week, bourbon. I should have all the components I need to infuse my bourbon with smoke. So I'll let you know how it goes. I'm all about the smoke. I like the smell of smoke. Yeah. I sleep yeah. better if I just have campfire smoke in my hair. I love <laughs> if you it. You just smell like smoke. Just get a smoke, yeah, a smoky smell all over you after a campfire. I sleep great. That's you sleep good. You just, oh, it's nice. Oh, um, I smell like smoke. Oh, this is nice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we transition from smoke to our next guest. You got any good thoughts on how to transition? This guy smoke? is not blowing smoke. He's the Ooh, there you go. deal. There you go. That's, I like that. Right off the cuff, too. He yeah, Drew is not the kind of guy that's going to blow smoke. He's just not, not. going to blow smoke up your smirk. No, no, this guy knows. He might drink smoke and bourbon. We should have asked him. Coming yes. from Chicago, I'm sure they uh, they I like their drinks. I bet they, he, he definitely seems like the kind of guy, too, that's eating at nice restaurants, probably buying the $20 old-fashioned smoke-infused. So, Guaranteed, yes. Well, he just told us he came back, just got back from Spain and Portugal. And you know when you're over there, you know, yeah. you're, you're out – 
uh, enjoying your time with a nice beverage. That's right. Yeah. He, is, I will say this about Drew though. He is a wealth of knowledge and um, his path to the portfolio that he's put together over the years is super intriguing to me because he started so stinking young. Yeah. You don't often meet somebody who started as a teenager no. buying properties. No. Or even interested in real estate. I mean, talk about a guy who's, and really he started before that, right? I mean, he started uh, in high school making money, not in real estate, but. Talk about the consummate entrepreneur, you know, basically yeah. saves a hundred grand in his online business by the time he gets to college. And then 19 is freshman year. He's buying duplexes. I mean, talk about <laughs> ahead of the curve. And then honestly, he's kind of kept that crazy pace ever since. I mean, building an amazing portfolio, an amazing business and the dude's still in his thirties. Yeah, hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, uh, that's probably. crazy. Well, let's bring him in. I want him to tell the story. This guy's really interesting. Yeah, let's uh, go to the interview. So get your smoky drink and get ready for Drew. <laughs> <laughs> so Drew, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, guys. Man, thrilled to have Great you. Great to meet you. Thanks for making time for us. So Drew, talk to us for a minute about where you are. And I, I know that uh, I know of you as being operating in Chicago, but I think you'd recently moved. Maybe tell our audience kind of where you're from and uh, how you got into into the business. Yeah, so I'm from the Milwaukee area, up in Wisconsin, and uh, both my both my parents were teachers there. And um, how I got into real estate was I just I just sort of fell into it, if you will, looking at what to do with my own personal money. I started a um, a uh, and I think actually to answer your initial question, I have moved to Austin, Texas now, so I'm not in Chicago gotcha. anymore. But in terms of to um, how I got started, you know, I've lived up until a few months ago, I lived my whole life in the Midwest. And so it was um, from the Milwaukee area, like I said, and then I was uh, I started an internet business in high school. This was selling items in in video games. So back in 2002, this would have been give or take at Diablo 2, EverQuest, World of Warcraft. Those games were extremely popular and people would pay real money for items in the game. So it wasn't officially part of the game, but let's say you guys all played and you wanted to buy some new armor sets or swords or shields or gold to trade in the game, you could go on eBay and just pay real money and get it. Hmm. And that was me selling it. So I would buy it from other people quitting the game and then I would resell it for more. So, and then and no one deal, no one sale. I made that much money. Usually it was like you made five bucks or something, but I did thousands of transactions. So, um, you know, just as a high schooler, over like a three-year period, plus my freshman year in college, I made about a hundred thousand dollars doing that. No, and I, and, I, and I and I saved all the money. Oh so, my gosh, you were the richest <laughs> freshman in college you knew. I bet. <laughs> so, at what point are you like? Why am I going to college? Yeah, I don't need college. Like you're already in a good spot. Yeah, they if um, yeah that that I did think about you know where it was like I already feel like I know what I want to do. Why go to school? But fortunately, I was going to. Uh, to UW Madison, which was in state, so yeah. it wasn't it wasn't that expensive. So and uh, and so you know I stuck with it, and also U, uh, UW Madison has a real estate major. Mm-hmm. So you know, on orientation day, I was still thinking about being a doctor. That was my original plan. I was seeing uh, actually a dermatologist for acne when I was in high school, and I was looking at that going, this seems like pretty easy money. You know, I walk in here and I say. Right. Um, you know what's going on and he's you know you got pimples and prescribe something and you know it's charges three 300 bucks to the insurance that sounds pretty good um so originally that's i was seeing that thinking maybe that's what i should do be a doctor then you 
uh, I would do that four days a week. And then you invest, you know, you know, get something else going, open a bunch of subway restaurants were really exploding back then too. You know, you do that on Friday and the weekends. And, um, but then I started reading about what to invest in and, um, you know, long story short, tried the stock market, tried other stuff and really liked what I was hearing in, in these real estate books. So I decided I'd buy my first property when I got to Madison and, and I did. So I bought my first deal. It was a duplex, uh, bought it when I was a freshman in, in college, obviously. And then, um, bought another one when I was 19, bought, uh, two more. So four total while I was in school, Gosh. just with my, my own money. I was before we were, you know, hit the record button was saying this, uh, I was also on the home and garden channel, but not, I didn't, <laughs> but for just like 60 seconds. So, um, yeah. Had, uh, had a, you can lean yeah, on that a, for the rest of your life as featured on leverage. HGTV. Leverage. Leverage that. Yeah. I was not, uh, yeah, I wasn't going to do it. I'm not really, I never, I didn't like public speaking and I wasn't promotional or anything. I was just like, I'm just, I what, what I need to tell people about this. I'm just investing my own money. But my realtor really wanted me to do it. And so did my, my, my mom, actually. She was like, you really should do it. There's no reason not to. Um, <laughs> So I did because, yeah, they were doing a show on what you get for the money in different markets. So they had Madison, Wisconsin. They had Los Angeles and the two other cities. I forgot the others, but it was L.A. is memorable because it was so, so much more expensive than, you know, than Madison. So I was the quarter million dollar house and I have it's a it was a two units, uh, five bedrooms total. You know, it's a full it's a it's a house. And then the L.A. one, it's like, here's a studio in in a rough neighborhood and, right, uh, right. with no parking included. So. Uh, so yeah, it was fun to be on the show and, you know, do, um, you know, shoot all the B-roll and different stuff they have you do. Come in and throw yeah. your backpack on the bed and then do it again. Like, uh, yeah. just don't oh, yeah. look at the camera this time. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So I'm sure you've done a bit of that, Ken. A little, so. bit, a little bit. So yeah. UW-Madison, that, that's a great experience in and of itself. I mean, that's, that's like one of the top college towns. So that had to been great. And then yeah, it, it was. sounds like you studied real estate. If I heard you right, four different properties you bought during your collegiate years? Or before yeah, you were correct. done with college? Uh, correct. Yeah, while I was in school. So with just, loans or no loans? Were those all cash? No, with loans. So because I I reported all the income from the business, and um, so I was able to get you know full doc, uh, full document, just normal loans. Yep. Uh, back then I could you know you could have just done stated income. So, uh, but the rates were a lot higher. Yep. So while a lot of people would have done just like a no money down stated doc thing, like just you know, saying this is my income, but they didn't, weren't checking back then. You know, that was part of the problem with, uh, when, oh, yeah. when the, when the markets slowed, yeah. but if, but I was, I was putting real money down the first deal, I put 15% down. And then, um, so my rate was five and a quarter on that one, five, 5.25%. And then, you know, so that was all the deals were kind of similar where I wasn't, you know, I was, I was new, so I didn't really know. I didn't, I didn't know that much. So I was, I figured I should just focus on, making sure these deals will be cash flow positive. So I really spent a lot of time making sure I understood the rents and what the expenses should be. Cause I figured even if I overpay, I'll be able to, you know, I'll be able to just hold it. I'll be cash flow positive. Right. Yeah. I, I screwed up on overpaying or bought in the bad, a wrong spot or something, but I'll just, I'll just keep it then. Yeah. And I didn't know what a IRR was or equity multiple or yield on cost. Any of these like terms you learn later. Or, sure. Um, right maybe need to know if you're doing bigger deals or getting investors, but I wasn't doing any of that. So, I, and, and then I also just figured, uh, I just, uh, the buildings were valued on grocery and multiplier. So I made sure I had that all figured out and 
you know, bought at what I thought was a, 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 a RM than you, than the market usually went for on deals that were cash flow positive and every deal went really well. So just that simple playbook. So, and I'd, I'd find deals too, where, you know, part of it was they were, the rents were below market. You know, I knew what the rents were really well being a college student and knowing what all my friends were paying and, you know, what areas were the most desirable for students. Cause these, these were all student rentals too. So it was, um, even, you know, I, I wasn't, I, you know, that, that was better probably for the age, age difference where it was already weird enough. I was, you know, 19. And then some of my tenants were grad students where it would be, <laughs> it would have been even weirder if they were, you know, you were light years ahead of your peers though. I mean, being 19 and buying properties and renting them out. And I mean, that's, that's amazing. So what did, I mean, for you kind of being so far ahead of the curve coming out of college, what was next? What did you look at doing after that? Yeah. I, well, it's, I mean, I just like doing it. So I never really, you know, thought like, okay, I'm uh, ahead of the game, you know, or this is why I'm doing it. I just enjoyed, I just enjoyed doing it. So that was fortunate where I basically, what I decided to do essentially in my spare time just turned into my full-time thing is what I did next. So it was, I graduated in 2007. So you could see like everything, the economy, the housing market was, you know, about was, was running into trouble. So I figured I should go get a job and work for some larger companies and learn what they do. So I, so I did that. So I moved to Minnesota and worked for a multifamily company up there. Um, where they have, I think today, you know, 30,000 or 40,000 apartments. So they, they, they do a lot of deals, a lot of big deals. So I was one of their, you know, analysts there. And while working there, I met what would be my first in partners, first investors in, in some larger deals. So one of the interns there, uh, Brian, he was like, why don't we go chat with my dad? You know, he's, he has a business that's done well. And he's, would I maybe would be interested in investing in property. And so I had, you know, I was like, sounds good. Let's meet, let's meet him tomorrow or whenever he can. And so we met him for lunch at his office and I had printed out a bunch of deals to look at. And he, uh, you know, they really, they were interested in a $3 million shopping center. And keep in mind, the biggest deal I had bought at that point was a $700,000 three unit. I'd never bought a commercial deal before. Um, they liked it. And I, you know, I was surprised get at the size because, you know, again, my parents were teachers, so they um, they wouldn't have had the down payment on this probably if they sold everything at that point, you know, sure. where um, so he they we ended up buying that deal that we printed that I had printed out in that meeting. So we went and toured it, put in an offer. You know, we were the only people who bid on it, uh, I think, where it was 2008. So we just put it in where it made sense to us. And back then the cash on cash was really high um, because interest rates were still low. And then the cap rates were high where it's, you know, today is tough because mm -hmm. interest rates are high and the cap rates haven't, aren't, aren't as, aren't as high. Um, but that we were buying at like a high eight cap and borrowing in the five. So the cash on wow. cash was in the high teens. So it was easy, even though it was 2008 going into 2009 and we knew there was going to be, there's a lot of trouble ahead they were it was two seven-year leases one to verizon wireless one to another uh good local business and so we figured okay they'll be out of the like woods so to speak by if 2015 we'll be in a different economy and we're mm -hmm. we're getting paid so much to wait like on cash flow and loan pay down this deal makes sense and mm -hmm. so we bought those were the kind of deals we were buying in 2009 10 11 um where together the three of us we bought 25 million dollars during that time and what um, you you were the operator you were the, i guess technically kind of the syndicator 
what, how did you structure those just out of care? Cause you're, you know, you're in your young twenties, you got, they're bringing the money to the table. How did that work out for you? Yeah, that's a great question where, um, you know, I had initially told them kind of like pro- what's most common would be a preferred return. And then like some split after that and, you know, an acquisition fee and this kind of stuff, but I, we don't need to do that. If you want to do something simpler, like just split 80, 20 or something, just right away that no fees like i'm i'm open like what do you what what do you think makes the most sense and they and a lot of people that are in this situation i've realized they like the simpler setup mm-hmm. so we just split 80 20 where okay. he put in all the money i did the work and we and so and as did the son and we just split 80 20 and so easy so it's simple, you know, some people are like, wow, that's a good, that's a lot of, that's a big share of the profits. Other people say, um, like, how did you do it without charging any fees? You know, so it's, there's give and take where fortunately for me, I didn't need to charge any, any, any fees at that point. Cause I had a job. I had those other four properties. I had sold a couple of them. So I would have had two of the ones in Madison still. Yep. So I was just basically, I did all the work and then I just, you know, I get paid in the future. And so I like that bet and that, that panned out, um, worked out great where we bought, you know, uh, a lot of property and then were able to hold it longer term, um, you know, with that structure where I w- there was no incentive where it's like, hey, there's this preferred return accruing or this clock ticking. I want to sell to get like a share of um, the profits here. So most of those deals we've bought, we have bought about 20 deals together. I mean, we've we've we have almost all of them still. I mean, we probably sold five. Holy cow! Wow, only wow. Yeah, five. Yeah, five or six. I'd say I'd have to count it up. Um, but yeah, that's. But it's because the structure, like they're all cash flow positive. If uh, if you want to uh, monetize some of the appreciation or loan pay down, you can do a cash out refinance. You know, obviously that's tax free compared to um, you know, selling and having to pay taxes or figuring sure. out uh, yep. a, a ten thirty one property. So yeah, that so that worked out great for everybody. And then in uh. You know, so and we just we work together, just the the three of us, you know, for the next 10 years. And um, we just kind of un- unfortunately, though, Brian, the son, he passed away in 2019. Oh, no. So oh. just unexpectedly in his in his sleep. So then that I mean, really was uh, I mean, just kind of whatever we were thinking we were going to be doing like that just kind of upset the whole Apple cart. Like now it's totally different. We're now I'm partnered with uh, with the dad only. And he's, you know around 70 years old. So he has a different, you know, interest in how much this would grow then, you know, versus two, two guys around their 30 years old, like they'd rather, you know, we have our whole lives ahead of us, we thought to build this thing. So, um, so we end, yeah, so we ended up, uh, so we've still done a few deals since uh, me and the dad, but I've, I've, you know, pivoted since where I bought, um, I'm, you know, I've told my story just like 1000s of times, probably by now, just kind of what I've been up to. And, and, uh, and, you know, and, and that it worked out again, where in 2019 or 2020 around there, another father and son at this time, a son-in-law, father-in-law, they, I partnered up with them and they invested, a, you know, a similar amount of money where with the first family, we, they put in under 10 million bucks, but we were able to just through refinancing and buying properties and reselling, buying larger ones. We grew the portfolio to like about a hundred million a property. Wow. And then with this next family, same thing. We we did the same thing, bought about a hundred million dollars of property in 2019, 2020, 2021. So just in total. Same um, similar structure where you kind of were the operator GP and, and took 20%. Uh yeah. 
man, what a great model. I mean, you've got, you've got skin in the game in the, in the sense that it's your expertise and your time and, but you're not putting money up and you're participating in a really, really big way. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Some of the deals I put in money, but then it was, I was buying some of the 80% share, let's say, you okay. know, where, so yep. some I did invest in, but those early ones, yeah, I didn't, all my money was in those, uh, Madison rentals. So I didn't have any money to put in. And then, um, where obviously most commonly people would put in, you know, five or 10% of the down payment at least. Right. Um, but I, I didn't have it. And again, they like simple. So, and also sometimes you see people will go, okay, that's fine. I'll lend you some of your, you know, co-investment money, you know, some of your share of the down payment and it's, it's all very complicated. And so at least for them, they just liked, you know, simple and it's, uh, it's, it's actually worked out better that way where, for, for everybody. Cause then we're just totally aligned on the interest. We're not trying to sell to get into a, uh, incentive fee, a promote or anything, or, or push a deal along to make a fee. Right. Uh, cause, cause there, cause there was no fee, you know, you're doing yeah. the work only, uh, for, for a share of the profits. So you got to believe in the deal or you're yeah. no, your interests are legitimately aligned in this sort of a yeah. same seat. Yeah. So it worked out. Cause I mean, some people wouldn't, uh, you know, wouldn't be able to do that cause they would need some sort of money right away. Right. You know, like a fee to buy it or, you know, whatever's most common. But right. but yeah, I was able to. Fortunately, I already had a portfolio. And after doing a few of those, the the first couple of deals you bought with your investor, those are paying out, you know, cash flow now. So then you can continue doing that on the sixth and seventh deal. Um, just making a bet on it. So. But yeah, point, all the deals you, you had to have you had to have stepped out of your full time job at some point here. I mean, as you talk about going to scale in these different situations, that had to have been a point of time of hey, this is going to be my full time gig. Yeah, I did that in 2011. So yeah, I, 2009 I worked at, or let me, 2008 I worked at uh, the the company up in the Twin Cities, Dominium, and then I, I switched to a, a retail uh, development company in the in the land area, in at the end of 2008, and then worked there until 2011. So ended up getting some commercial experience, and then. Um, about in 2013, we really, so from 2009 to 2012, we were buying only commercial properties. So retail mm -hmm. office industrial, that's where like the discounts were multifamily. There really weren't any mm -hmm. good quality multifamily deals that were, were selling everyone that had them was just keeping them. They're like, yeah, the value you say, you're telling me the values fell, but the rents are basically the same. I have this fixed rate loan from Fannie, like no one's, uh, you know, mm -hmm. Fannie Mae, no one was selling. Um, but then in 2013, there started to be uh, broken condo deals that people they built the built the condo property. This especially in Chicago, you know, an eight unit, a sixteen unit, and in Chicago, those those are you know a sixteen unit. There is a, was at the time was you know it's like a five or six million dollar deal, and and then they rent it out. You know the the receiver super cheap, and uh, then we buy it, move the rents to where they should be, and there was a lot of value add on those deals. So from twenty thirteen to twenty nineteen, that's what we were doing. 12 deals in a row, we did full cash out refinances. So we bought it, let's say the first one we bought for 5.7 million, raised the rents enough where it later appraised for over 8 million. And then we put a six and a half million dollar mortgage on it, pulled out all our money and then some. So all the deals went like that to varying, uh, you know, degrees of success. But on average, we pulled out uh, a little over all the, the, the entire down payment on average. So, wow. So truly you're so just we were, rolling your money. Yeah. So, and it was just rinse and repeat. So we were just had the same money that we were recycling. So it was $3 million. So $3 million by 10 million of property, raise the rents. Uh, now it supports a new higher mortgage, refinance out your 3 million, do it again. Same thing, refinance out your 3 million, do it again. So we, we bought 30 million of property that way. 
That's amazing. Wow. You must have had a team of people because that's a lot of it's a lot no. of property to operate. Like, what did that look like? Were you in the nuts and bolts of you know? No, I bought. I I I found every deal and and did it and closed it and was the one setting the rents and driving the business plan and uh, doing the application to refinance and uh, reviewing the financials and um and then um yeah that we had third party property management so yep. then that's where we were able to like leverage other people right. but in terms of doing the deals no is i had found all of them i was the only person in chicago where brian and his dad were up in minnesota and then um you know brian spent most of his time on the commercial stuff we had in minnesota and then the dad was just a, at that point a, like a passive investor he was so. loving you man you're just making him money <laughs> left and right yeah so they yeah they're they're happy with how everything went um you know where it's uh you know and and it was you know just one deal at a time where it's kind of crazy to think about how it's how it went but at the time it was just like okay i bought a duplex now i bought another one now i stepped to a three unit then it went from a seven hundred thousand dollar deal to two million it was all kind of just baby stepping it up where you know by 2020 the biggest deal i had done was 13 million uh so they're all like you know two to eight million dollar deals normally and then uh you know, but it really just added up, you know, doing two or three of those a year and keeping most of them. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of assets under management. So what does your business look like today? Obviously you've laid this amazing groundwork for yourself. You've got a great track record. Market is clearly different today than it was even two years ago. What does your business look like now? Yeah. So in 2021, um, we, like I, I just kind of was, uh, you know, reflecting on what was going on and, I was living in Chicago and, in, you know, interest rates had gone up and then they fell back down. And this was, you know, looking at like what's happened the last, let's say, 10 or so years just across the country. And, you know, when I was in school and first starting in real estate, the markets that were doing the best were all the gateway markets. So you get like a report from Marcus and Millichap or whatever on what is the best apartment market in the country. It was always New York, San Francisco, Boston. It was just San Diego, just LA, whatever. Mm -hmm. They just were flip-flopping around these the coastal gateway markets. And then in about 2012, it all flipped where the number one markets for rent growth and price appreciation were all in the Sun Belt. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, it's it's Phoenix, it's uh, you know, Dallas, it's Austin, it's uh, you know, it's a lot of Florida, the Carolinas, Atlanta. Nashville. And so it was like this, I think it's the time to make a pivot and let's, I should, I should be investing in the Sunbelt where I did the last, let's call it first 15 years of my career, all in the Midwest, you know, Wisconsin, Minnesota, uh, Illinois, but let's do the next 15 and beyond in the Sunbelt. And so we started that I, up until 20, 2021, I didn't have any, uh, in 2019, I hired an acquisitions employee. So he started underwriting the deals mm -hmm. and then that I got a lot of leverage from that. Obviously, then you know, having someone dedicated to that, where we were doing twice the work now. Then twenty twenty one, I I hired two, uh, I hired three more people. So all on the deal doing side. Uh, so in terms of finding deals, underwriting them, uh, you know, so just and in most all the deals too at this size, they're they're attached. They have a broker attached to them, <laughs> where you know, 80% of the deals we bought have been off market, but they're almost always with a broker, mm -hmm. you know, just, but usually just, they know who's likely to buy it. And a lot of times it doesn't hit the, 
the broader market, like they're, you know, they're, they're mar- these deals are marketed usually principal to principal, mm-hmm. meaning they might have a list of a thousand buyers or 20,000 buyers for a given deal. But really, there's probably 10 to 20 groups that are like most likely, you know, real buyers. And so a lot of times they'll just, you know, send it to the top three right away. And then so we bought most of our deals that way, where we're not uh, bidding against uh, people across the country and more kind of quietly you know, marketed, but we, so it takes a lot of work to develop those relationships. So I was trying sure. to scale that up with also hiring these, these other uh, acquisitions guys, and then look to the Sunbelt. So then we did a nationwide, like exhaustive analysis where one of the guys who works for me, he, his hobby sports analytics. So he, he could tell you, uh, what is most correlated with a NCAA basketball team winning, you know, like it's, is it, it's, it's not their total points. It's like pace of play and like turnovers and uh, what the correlation is with and three pointers is not correlate, you know, so he knows all this stuff right? and he made a model for multifamily price appreciation, doing the same thing, figuring out what's correlated with prices going up, what markets have that weighting the different things and then making a, it, uh, it predictive for then Cause we can get all the data by zip code, so we can go market by market saying, how did this perform in the past? And then what's, how does it look uh, going forward? And, you know, sort of what was surprising was seeing that change from the gateway markets to the Sunbelt markets that I did not know that um, for a fact in 2021. Uh, but after seeing this analysis, I did. And then, and then seeing it's just continue, it's just projected to continue where all of these same job growth and population growth trends, which are what's most predictive of multifamily rents going up and also mm-hmm. the prices going up. It was population growth and job growth as as a percentage of the, you know, uh, not not just raw numbers where like Dallas will always have the most job growth and uh, population growth, but it's because it's the biggest Sunbelt city, you know, with with I guess with Houston in terms of the mm-hmm. MSAs. But so, you know, so we we figured out, you know, what what markets are going to do the best in our analysis, and then we started focusing on those in Phoenix. Dallas and Austin is where we're investing today. Hmm. So if I have a, a sweet deal in Chicago, that is just sort of you make your money on the buy. You don't need to rely on the market doing anything for you. Like I'll still do that because uh, mm-hmm. we, you know, I still understand that market and own, you know, 20 or so properties there. Like it's still a solid market, but you know, it's not, it's definitely not bad enough where I'd want to like sell things there, you know, just, just to be like, I'm out of the market, but I, I, you'd need to make the money on the buy to sort of how we were doing those uh, value add deals that then we refinance. Like we knew we could raise the rents when we were buying it. So right. you're focused now primarily multifamily. Or are you still involved in commercial as well? Multifamily only. So yeah, if I, if I skipped over that. So yeah, today, Brandman Capital, we specialize in just only multifamily and only in, in Phoenix, Dallas, and Austin. And okay. then only certain types of multifamily. Because so what I realized over this, time doing the deals, the different product types in different cities is let's say in Minneapolis. So we bought that, the retail deal I was talking about. I was competing with people who've been doing retail in, in Minnesota, their, like their whole lives. They've been, they're, you know, been doing it for 30, 40 years. So we were able to get those deals done and they worked out well, but our expertise compared to some of the other people in the market, it, it was not, it was not nearly as strong. And so if you can, yeah. So what I realized, if you can specialize and develop an expertise and just get really great and knowledgeable at one thing, uh, then you're going to do really well at it. And then people will also think of you for it. So I did that in Chicago, almost unbeknownst at the time to me where I became the 
the guy who could do loan assumptions um, back when they weren't, you know, cool like they are now with, uh, you know, rates being high when it was a negative to the deal where interest rates might be in the threes, but we have a, a mortgage in the fives. Like, can you assume it? And we we've uh, I've done a lot of agency loans. So then I understood how to assume, let's say, those loans and would uh, understand how to underwrite them. Hmm. And then and then was sort of the 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 guy who didn't need to renovate the property. So let's say you had a building built in the 2000s or 90s. And if there was lost to lease, so the rents were below market, I was the most likely buyer on most of those deals in in the neighborhoods I was buying. So I had specialized in that and it was going and it went well because I would know I had a already a whole business plan where it's just rinse and repeat like the last, you know, 10 of them. And so then I, you know, I, I realized, okay, that's why it was working for me, you know, uh, through that whole run of time and let's just do the same thing let's just specialize in only the sunbelt's a little different there's a lot more properties built like in the 1980s that need a light renovation where they don't have in-unit laundry they still have brown uh cabinets and carpet everywhere in the unit and so the deals we're doing now look a little different than than the chicago ones where we're doing some amount of renovation but not not a gut renovation. It's not like a hundred year old building. It's, it's usually a, a light renovation where all the plumbing, electric HVAC, everything is still like the modern systems. It's just cosmetically, everything is this, the, the wrong choices. And we can use, switch that out and add in unit laundry. And, you know, you can raise the rents, you know, on some of these deals, like 40%. So, you know, the, I mean, obviously the last couple of years, you know, since COVID there's kind of been a frenzy, a little bit of a run up. We actually had this conversation with Neil last week. Just curious, you know, what you saw, do you feel like if any of the projects you've bought over the last year or two, or maybe on the high side where now you're seeing some discounted opportunities? Yeah. Prices have come down everywhere in the multifamily space. And so anybody who bought property in 2022 or 2021, unless you're able to move your, your rents and your NOI, a tremendous amount, it's, it's worth less than you paid in those years. And you know, fortunately for us, what we, we did every deal except one with fixed rate loans. So, um, like we bought five deals in Phoenix in 2021 and 2022 and the first, the, so four of the five, they're fixed rate. So let's say when we stabilize them, if there is this unlevered, so no debt on them, they, they'll make about five and a half percent per year. Gotcha. So, if you needed, if you need to refinance today, that that that's bad or sell. Like you're you're you won't be able to support much of a mortgage with rates uh, around six on this type of property. Right, right. But fortunately for us, we did five and seven year loans at three and a half percent interest on three of them, and then four and a quarter on on one of them. Wow. So even nice. though even though the value has moved against us, we're still cash flow positive on yeah. uh, on all these. One of them still under renovation, and then that one. Um, that's going to be the only one we need to kind of work out anything on in terms of in, and not work out anything with the lender per se, but just that was the only time I've done like a shorter term loan. I did a three year loan on that one because we were renovating the property. So we bought it. And, you know, at the time, if we would have gone for like a 10 year fix or something, we could have just done like a we would have got like, you know, a low three percent rate. But, uh, you know. Our, our decision was do do the shorter term loan. Then when you're done with the renovation, you can refinance and put on the permanent loan, resize the loan up to a bigger value. Like I had done on all, a lot of those previous deals, but now the market's moved against us. So when we refinance, we'll either be, you know, cash flow will be, it'll be new cash neutral if we're fortunate. Otherwise we're going to need to add some money on that one. 
Right. Um, but and fortunately that was just with one investor. So then um, you know, that that guy could um, you know, potentially contribute money and then as well as I would and um anyone else who got a, a share of the deal. Speaking so. of which, so now your business, are, you're not just working with one or two families like you had in the past. What does your business look like now in terms of bringing investors into these deals? Yeah, that's no, that's a good question. Cause we, you know, another thing that I realized was, was I had, I, I just didn't have the bandwidth. It's interesting. You asked how big our staff was when I were doing these Chicago deals and it was just me. Cause then I was, I was maxed out. Like, so then when someone like a buddy or somebody that you'd meet would say, have a hundred thousand I'd like to invest in your deals. How could I do that? And I would say like, we're just not set up for that. Like I just have this, this, this one guy or later on these two guys that invest in my deals and they're really more like partners where they know what's going on. They, they can just go into our accounting. Um, and actually both of them, eventually both their daughters ended up working in each sort of business line where they are both took accounting roles, um, for each portfolio. So then they were, they even had their, you know, daughters doing the books. So then, you know, like it's more of a partnership. So we're not set up to like, we didn't have any investor reporting or anything, but, but now we built all that out once we, once I hired the the team. So then, yeah, now we take on, um, you know, I'll still do deals with these two families um, for what they're looking for. And, you know, everything else, then we we syndicate just to everyday, you know, accredited investors, where since we have to do accredited verified, um, since I, I talk about it on podcasts or social media or wherever, but um, yeah, now, so 50,000, you know, is the, the minimum. And then mm -hmm. two or, um, you know, most of those Phoenix deals were, were syndications just to you know, a dozen or so people that, you know, I had met. So, and, gotcha. Yep. Yeah. So, so I think how do you that's structure kinda, those deals now that you're bringing in some of this uh, limited partnership money. If it's a value add, like, you know, let's say a, a deal where we're going to buy it, renovate it, and then the business plan would be to sell it. So call it a three to five year hold, you know, those will do with the, you know, just your, the same structure everybody does. So just a, you know, an acquisition fee, a per, then a preferred return to the LPs, then a, then a, a split after the preferred return. Gotcha. Um, so that's, uh, I mean, to be specific, like the pref on those deals, we did 8% and then it was a 70, 30 split. Um, gotcha. so 70 to the investors and then 30 to us, um, after the prefs paid and, and the, all the initial capitals returned, then the, the split kicks in. Yep. So, and then, but I, I do, I still like this longer term structure, 80, 20. So I, th I think we will on deals that are ones where you look at and you go, okay, this is something we'd want to own for like 10 years or maybe longer. I still am going to propose more of that sort of simple 80, 20 setup, like make, make money slow, kind of yep. long-term. Right. Kind of you idea. The fees up front. I mean, as an investor, I mean, I would think I would like that because you're not, you know, feeing me to death on the front end. You you got to be in this sitting in sort of the same seat I'm sitting in. Let's make this successful. And then we all participate. Yeah. So I think people will like that. And then I, I have had an idea where um, we, we had a series of deals where we, we bought one, we did a 1031 and another one and we were, it went really well over a 10 year period. And I kind of, I want to start proposing that too, as the business plan. Um, if you want, I could dive into how that deal went or wherever you want to take it. But let's, well, we're pushing and we'll, we'll edit this. Yeah. We're pushing in an hour. So we'll, I think we'll probably, figured. let's transition to, well, I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to um, point people to a website. Cause obviously we just talked about, you know, what it would look like yeah. for investors. So, and I'm assuming that's probably your objective in this is to raise capital and doing podcasts uh, yeah. and whatnot. So yeah. And podcast and people to go to the podcast. 
Okay. So okay. I, I have a podcast. Yeah. Okay. So let me do that. Let me, um, we'll, we'll basically kind of throw back to you. So, you know, somebody's listening to this and I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll just kick us yeah. off. Let me go to so Drew, somebody's listening to this, like that's, you know, you're obviously having success. You're making money for your investors, a lot of money for some of some of these family investors. Um, if somebody wanted to get involved, where, where could we point them? Yeah, best place is just go to our company's website. So Brenneman.com. So be like boy, R-E-N-E-M-A-N.com. And then on there, we have a bunch of stuff. So you can, if you just want to go right away to sign up to be on our investor list, you can do that. There's an invest now button and you just put in your, your info. And then when we have a deal, you uh, it gets sent out to everyone who's on the email list. And then um, if you want to learn more about passive investing or our company, that's all on there too. So we have a bunch of blogs on the website. We have uh, information on our portfolio that we currently own, just mini case studies on there. And then uh, also we have a passive investing guidebook where it's a, uh, it's a hundred pages. It's like, it's, we, we probably overdid it on what we wrote in this thing, but it's, it's basically everything you'd want to know. Um, if you're a passive investor where you're here, uh, you know, all these terms were thrown out like, yeah, then there's a pref and then return to capital and all that stuff's explained slowly in a lot of detail as well as different risks and how things work and uh, how you, how these deals make money and how's it correlated with the stock market. So that's all in there. Uh, and then if you just want to, you know, get in touch with me, I'm on all the social media platforms, just at Drew Brenneman. So just all of them, even I, I have a TikTok now too, even so my, um, <laughs> sister works in social media for a jewelry company and she's like you got to get on tiktok so um i'm i'm there too now i guess and then uh, also i have a podcast the brenneman blueprint and so that's uh, a real estate investing podcast where we bring on active investors and just kind of have i mean conversations kind of similar to this and then also lenders and uh just insurance my insurance agent and just uh, episodes two for passive investors. So I've done a couple of solo ones where I break down like red flags to look for what you'd want to look for in someone that you might invest with for different trades or things in a deal. So just awesome. So, so a lot of stuff, lots <laughs> of resources, folks. So again, it's brennanin.com free guidebook. Is that right? It's a free uh, yeah. guidebook for them to download. That's yeah. really, really valuable. Well, I think we guess we're answering a lot of the same questions. You know, so just where now it's written out and it's there and then, um, and it's, it, you know, and so, yeah, it doesn't cost anything. You just put your name and your email in and then you get a, a download link. So killer. Awesome. And then obviously you've got a TikTok where you do dances and sing and, and whatnot for, that's what I want so, to see. Or is that a different TikTok? Yeah. That's your private that's TikTok. What I'm, I'm signing up for that. <laughs> yeah. That one. Yeah. That one you got to subscribe to. You so got to subscribe. That's yeah. <laughs> Hands only. So, so yeah. <laughs> and then but the podcast. Yeah. The Brendaman uh, Blueprint, where and clearly you're a wealth of knowledge. So I imagine the podcast has got tons of deep dives into the world of multifamily and passive investing. So, folks, check that out. Uh, Drew, man, thanks so much for coming on. Really enjoyed our time with you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. All right, Thank take you. care. Man, was that good or what, Kevin? Man, a really interesting two weeks talking about multifamily now, and both. I mean, consistent. Now is the time. Yeah. It is interesting that, you know, he navigated the last couple of years really well. You know, the run up, people are obviously buying high, you know, basically even what he was saying, what Neil was saying last week. Um, but he navigated, he was able to lock in some good interest rates. Like he said, they still cash flow. None of his projects are any sort of jeopardy. So kudos to him. But even he's saying the same thing. Now's the time. We're kind of, yep. it looks like we're maybe entering the trough of prices for multifamily. Yeah. Um, and for a guy who's done a He's done a lot of different things. I, I thought it was also noteworthy that he's really zeroed in. He knows kind of his focus. 
is multifamily and just that, that's helped him perform at a higher level, knowing kind of where his lane is and staying inside it. We didn't get into it with him, but clearly, you know, he's reading the headlines just like everybody else is. And, you know, office and commercial right now is in the doghouse. Not not so good. It's probably a big, big reason why he's not in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But he has done very well with multifamily. Also interesting how he's, you know, historically funded these, finding people who come to the table with a lot of money. Now finally kind of getting into syndic- not finally, but now he eventually got into syndication as well. But interesting his path just as a college student, you know, finding funding opportunities. So that's the trick to success, guys, is go find a family with ten million dollars to invest and go buy him a <laughs> bunch of properties and participate at twenty twenty percent. That's the ticket. Yeah. And he didn't do it just once. Like he's found three different families where they're bringing 10 million bucks to the table. Where are these people at? Right. Exactly. Make some introductions, buddy. Yeah. Um, But it is also very generous of him to the amount of free content he's putting out, I think is killer for somebody that's listening to this. They're in their twenties. Like I want to get started. I want to do what he did. Um, I think it's of note. Go to his website, brendaman.com. Check it out. I'm going to go check it out. I love looking at free resources and see what people are putting out there. Yeah, actually, I was looking at it while he was talking. And the other thing he said, you know, was that it's never too late. You know, if you're in your 20s, right. great. If you're in your 50s, hey, True. take the next 10 years, focus, focused. It's not, this is a great time to get into it. And over the next 10 years, man, you can you can do some real powerful things in real estate. No doubt. Very true. It is the power of real Well, even the, one of the deals he had alluded to, we talked with him about it previously, where they took, you know, a million dollars of invested money, bought a $3 million deal, doubled that. You know, doubled it again, all the while, 1031. And now it's like a $20 million portfolio over 10 years. Now it took 10 years, but now they've leveraged that initial seed money into a $20 million portfolio. That is the power of real estate. Yep, exactly. Yeah, Kevin, great guest. Looking yeah. forward to doing this again next week. Who we know, do, we got, do we know who's coming in next week? Man, I've got no idea. It's look. a mystery. I just jump on and hit record. <laughs> somebody good. I guarantee that, Kevin. It's going to be somebody We good. got it on the calendar, and I remember it was somebody really interesting. I read about them, and I was like, oh, I cannot wait for this. Who oh, was good. that? Well, you got to come back next week and find out. It's but it was teaser. really interesting. Looking forward to this. Love dropping the teasers out there. Yep. So it's a date, man. The same time next week. Love it. Enjoy these last bits of summer, and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, I'm going to enjoy a little bit of smoky bourbon, and I'll tell you how it is next week. I'm going to go buy a smoker. (laughs) Sounds like a plan. (laughs) I'm sensing a smoking theme in this episode. Yes, there's a theme. I don't know if we'll still have that theme next week or not, but it's better than chicken coops and playgrounds. It's true. We've graduated to more sophisticated things. It's good. Yes, passing along. All right. See you, man. See you. Friends, thanks so much for making it all the way to the end of today's podcast. If you or possibly a friend has any interest in learning more about real estate investing or opportunities with Red Barn Home Buyers, take a minute and head on over to redbarnhomes.com and check out our investors page or our franchise page, or just drop us a note. We'd love to hear from you. Can't wait to see you on the next episode of The Deal Farm. Hey friends, just a final thought before you check out. You know, so many of us are going 100 miles an hour through life. We're weighed down by stress or worry or even that haunting feeling of emptiness. But it doesn't have to be that way. I've actually put together a quick resource at faithcrossroad.com where I share just a little bit about the faith that gives me hope and purpose and identity 
and I'd love to share it with you. Again, faithcrossroad.com.